What do you consider yourself? Like, what is it when people ask what your ability is? If I were to describe it, I think an intuitive Mm -hmm. and an energy healer and an energy transmuter. So with you, I've seen a lot of really white, bright energy. And Mm. now you're really like, you're letting me in right now. I feel like I'm about to cry. I know, you can cry. (laughs) You, for a moment there, you were, okay, you're coming back into it. Fully grandmother higher self third eye is here your whole face disappears yeah the whole room has dissolved all i can see are your eyes (laughs) whoa this is so powerful you're a samurai warrior energy that's what's coming through oh my god oh my god jordan my name's mimi bouchard founder of superhuman the transformational app that helps you become your future self so that you can finally start attracting more joy abundance health wealth and love into your life and that's also my mission on this podcast meet people whose lives have been transformed in big and small ways but always for the better they tell me how they did it so that you can too One of the most mind-blowing interviews I have ever conducted with the Balance Blonde's Jordan Younger. She is a healer, a writer, and a visionary. You're not going to want to miss this one. Jordan Younger, how are you? Mimi, I'm so good. (laughs) I'm so happy to be doing this with you. I know. I can't wait. We just recorded for your podcast, and now we're going right into this one. I can't wait to have a beautiful, deep conversation with you. Me too, to just keep our conversation going. And I don't know if you know this, I don't really do other people's podcasts. I didn't know that. Why? I do them from time to time. I just am so interesting with my energy Mm -hmm. I've just learned especially from becoming a mom and also from navigating chronic illness for all those years I just didn't have a lot of energy for so many years and I had to look at the bucket of my life and see all these awesome opportunities to go on people's podcasts and it was all I could do to even maintain my own podcast Mm -hmm. so I just had to create a blanket rule where I don't really do them Unless I'm very good friends with the person or a huge fan of the person. And with you, I'm both. So here we are. I'm honored. Thank you so much. Well, I'm so happy to have you. And I'm so grateful for your time. And I just adore you. So I can't wait for this conversation. You are an OG blogger. You were a blogger before blogging was even a thing. And you really created this beautiful brand for yourself over the years. For everyone that that has not really understood what it was like blogging back in the day, just to kind of bring it back, what was it really like and what, what kind of made you want to get into this work and share your life? Such a good question. To take it all the way back to 2013 when I started ten my years blog. Ago. Yeah, 10 years ago. Actually, I don't know when this is coming out, but it could be possibly be 10 years ago to the day if you release these quickly what, I don't know what day? it was June 18th oh, wow. 2013 okay. so we're recording this at the very end of May and I always try to celebrate my blog anniversary because it's a big deal to me mm-hmm. and this was the only career I've ever had because right out of college this is what I stepped into and I didn't know that it was going to become a career. This wasn't an industry back then. No. There were the fashion bloggers. I think they 
were making some kind of money out of fashion blogging. But outside of fashion, there was no such thing as a blogger making Mm -hmm. money or having a career. Mm -hmm. So I really just started it as a hobby and a passion. I was blogging about food, but it quickly turned into lifestyle, fitness. I was running marathons at the time. And I just couldn't help myself. I couldn't help myself but write about my family and my lifestyle and just to get so connected with my audience, Mm -hmm. which I did at a very early time, like major email conversations back and forth with my readers, which is why to this day, 10 years later, if someone comes up to me and they're like, hey, I've been following you for 10 years, my name is, you know, Alex something I'm like I know you like I remember pretty much all of them everyone and I'm really really grateful for all my readers and all the incredible people who have stuck with me because (laughs) I have changed a lot I'm Mm -hmm. not the person that I was back then Mm -hmm. but of course none of us are I've learned a lot and yeah I did it for a year while I was in grad school and then I quickly realized I have this entrepreneurial blood that runs through me and let's see what happens. Let's leave grad school and dive on in. That's incredible. They've mm-hmm. grown with you, your audience. Mm-hmm. There's no tool book to being a blogger, now being an influencer. And there are so many people online that are bloggers that struggle with, you know, online hate and trolls. And just recently there was an OG blogger. I don't know if you heard of, you know, Deuce, um, Heather Armstrong. no. My producer was just telling me that this is one of these OG bloggers and I was looking into her story and she apparently committed suicide a couple months ago because there was rumors. I don't know if it's because of this, but there are rumors that she had a lot of hate, you know, in her lifetime of doing this career. And the more I reflect on how new this line of work is, there are really no rules. Was it ever hard for you throughout the past 10 years? Of course it was, but tell me more details. How hard was it for you going through this journey of sharing your life and potentially getting backlash that you didn't like Mm -hmm. or you did not align Mm -hmm. with or that felt bad? Yeah. Well, you just opened up on my podcast and you had (laughs) tears and I probably will now too because this is such, I mean, it's just such a sensitive subject and I feel for the woman that you just mentioned. I didn't know anything about her, Mm -hmm. but the moment that you even mentioned her name, I'm like, oh my God, she took her life. (gasps) I just knew it Um, because I know that this bullying, the online bullying and the things that take place, they take a toll Mm -hmm. and- Personally, I feel really grateful to have developed a very thick skin. And I think you can probably relate to that. Mm -hmm. But it's hard and it's not for everyone to put your life out there and just serve it up on a platter for public opinion. And now it's so common. I mean, everybody has social media, whether they're an influencer and they're in the public eye or whether they're just in college in a sorority with 500 followers sharing their life like people are talking about you people are seeing your stuff they're sending it to each other and they have opinions they have thoughts and it's really hard and I think about how even 10 years ago 15 years ago this wasn't something that people had to think about unless you were a mainstream celebrity being written about in magazines and the media outlets people didn't talk about you. They didn't know who you were. They didn't care. Mm -hmm. If you were a famous author, like, yeah, you probably had some media, but people were not knowing the details of your life. They didn't know if you were married. They didn't even know what you looked like. 
So this is way different. And Mm -hmm. I've had to not only develop a thick skin, but I've also had to develop some serious personal tools, Mm -hmm. which is something that you talk about all the time to come back to my center and to Mm -hmm. stay grounded and to remember what really matters in life. And when I get a lot of online hate, which I do because I'm a reflector, if we're going to talk about human design, something that I learned about myself that really changed my life was learning that I'm a mirror. I'm a reflector. We're all mirrors, but we're all here to do different things. And something that I'm here to do on a soul level, I didn't choose this, but my higher self chose this, is to come and really show people who they are. Yeah. So people who are happy and stable and content, they love me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're amazing. You know, that's mm-hmm. my audience. Like they're hopefully listening to this podcast today. They see something in me and, and they might maybe dislike certain things and that's okay but overall at the end of the day they're not like I hate that bitch because they're happy and they're fine and they're good and they're moving on with their day or maybe they're inspired and maybe they they feel that loving energy being mirrored back to them but I find that people who are in more of a negative headspace or going through a hard time or maybe they have a personal trigger and they see it being played out through me in a way that it's not something that I personally deal with. They're just like, let's rip this girl to shreds. And I've dealt with it my whole career. It's it's something that is definitely not new to me, but it's never any less hurtful. You know, I'll find out about these things or I have friends who are super into reality TV and they're like, they're on the Reddit threads. They're looking mm-hmm. at all their like favorite celebrities and they're like, I saw shit about you on there. And I will never look at that stuff. That's a vow that I've made to myself. Because when I accidentally see something, let me tell you, it it affects me. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people who can sit here and say, I'm so above it. You know, it comes with the job. Like it does come with the territory, but I'm not above it. I'm very human and I'm very, very, very sensitive. So my tools to get back to mm-hmm. kind of how this can be helpful to other people. I meditate. I I have my people. I have like say the five closest people to me, I will go to them and be like, tell me something good about me. Because the people who are closest to you, they actually know you. Mm -hmm. They actually know who you are. And the strangers on the internet, especially the trolls, they don't actually know you. And so I have to remind myself, they don't have any context. They And of course, they're coming from their own point of view. But when you return to, okay, are the people in my life, are they happy with how I'm showing up? Am I taking care of my son? Am I a good wife? Am I a loving daughter and sister and friend? I am. And that's what matters to me. So yeah, it's hard. Mm -hmm. And I could go on and on. We could do a whole episode on that topic. You know, I also find that these trolls are so mean because they're behind a screen. When you need to maybe say criticism to something or to someone in person, you have a layer of your humanness, right? And you you obviously are more uh, mindful of what you're saying. But when you are behind a screen and you're anonymous and this other person that you're, you know, trolling about doesn't even know who you are, there is no filter. You know, the internet has opened up this platform for people that are deeply unhappy. And I truly believe that trolls and even people that just write rude comments to people online, I I deeply just know (laughs) as an intuition 
that they are not happy in their own Mm -hmm. lives because happy people would never write things like that. What is your take from a spiritual perspective on trolls? Why do they do what they do? And is there like some sort of like spiritual meaning to like nasty people and us Mm -hmm. needing to deal with them Mm -hmm. in our lives? I'm so happy you asked me this because it's something that I actually think about all the time. And when I've had really spiritual experiences where I return to the oneness Mm -hmm. that we all and I see that we are all one and where we go after we die we return to that oneness that's what I believe everybody has their different beliefs that's amazing we have these soul contracts we come to this planet I think part of my soul contract is to be seen on the world stage and to deal with hate and to deal with love and I bet you're the same way we've signed up to have a very public life But when I see someone acting out behind the screen with so much hate, what I really tend to think about is how is this a reflection of me? And no, this doesn't say that like I deserve this Mm -hmm. and I did this and, you know, it's coming for me. I don't mean it that way. I mean, on a spiritual level, is there a part of me that's really dark and in the shadows? Is there a part of me that looks at other people and Mm -hmm judges the shit out of, you know, what they just said or did. Of course, I'm human. And I'm not saying that one day you reach a place where you don't do that anymore. And so it doesn't come to Mm -hmm. you. I'm not saying that because I think even the most evolved people in the world, there's going to be someone who who hates on them. I just try to see it in that way because I know we have to heal the collective. And I think that's the spiritual thing that I see behind it all. If there's that many unhappy people in the world, then those of us who are spreading the light, who came potentially from other planets, other star systems, etc., to bring light to this planet, we have our work cut out for us. So I see it that way on my good days. And on the other days, I, I see it as just like on a spiritual level as well. I wish these people could see that this was a reflection of their inner world and it doesn't have anything to do with me. And sometimes when I'm feeling really feisty too, I almost want to say like, thanks for giving me more publicity. Thanks for like coming my direction because you could be putting your shadows and your hate anywhere and spilling it on anyone. And we don't know each other and you're spilling it on me. So I must have a huge impact on you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's so much easier for me to tell that to my friends when they're getting a lot of hate. Like, you know, people are talking about you because you're doing big things in the world. But when it happens to you, it's very painful hmm. How do you deal with them? And you've had a long career of whether it's troll backlash or amazing praise. How do you deal with these people that try to tear you down online? Yeah, I mean, there's a few different ways. And I told you earlier this year, I went through a bit of a yeah. mental health crisis. Mm-hmm. I was having panic attacks every day debilitating anxiety. It was related to postpartum, but it was so much deeper than that. It was an existential stepping into the next level of my life, post psychedelics, Mm -hmm. dealing with childhood trauma type of situation. And I had to step back from everything. And I would say the biggest benefit of that whole situation and really the main positive thing that came out of that was that A lot of these other things, like what strangers say about me on the internet or 
a friend who I'm not friends with anymore, who thinks I did something, all of that stuff became a lot less important to me. Mm -hmm. And I told my therapist, this is what I always used to pray and manifest to be liberated from. I wanted freedom from what other people think about me. I didn't want to be waking up in the middle of the night thinking about my friend from childhood who we're not friends anymore. And I'm a triple Libra. So relationships are everything to me. And I just wanted a little bit of freedom and a little bit of boundaries and separation from that to know that I'm doing the best I can. I'm clearly, you know, hanging on too much to other people and That's not what my happiness is based off of. So the blessing was that I almost reached a point where I was like, oh, there's all these Reddit threads about me. Half of me doesn't care because I'm just happy to be mentally stable, to be taking care of my son, to have my amazing family, to have the life that I love. And I have perspective and I can see that's a small problem in the grand scheme of things. It feels like a big problem. And it's super painful when it's happening and our inner child in all of us just wants to be understood and know that like we are pure and I wish and and hope that everybody can feel that purity and that love that I feel Mm -hmm. when I show up in the world. So yeah, it's almost just like diminishing the importance of it. Like it's not the center of my universe anymore and not letting it rock my boat. I have things that those are like the things that really matter. And those are allowed to rock my boat, to make me panic, to make me feel horrified. Mm -hmm. That would be my health, my son's health, my husband's health. You know, that's about it. My family Mm -hmm. and my friends, of course, too, but definitely not the trolls on the internet. Really, I think Jordan 8.0 in this era of my life is almost just like, get a life. Yeah, get a life. You know, I'm separating this. You don't get to get into my boundary and my bubble. And I don't wish mental health struggles upon anyone. But if you have been through something very dark night of the soul and you come out on the other side, you're able to see, oh, oh, wow. That stuff that I used to really fret about, it doesn't matter the way that it used to. Mm -hmm. So are you open to opening up about all that postpartum stuff? Yeah. Tell me about it. What what happened? Because this is the first I've heard of it. Yeah. So pretty much I had my son a year and a half ago Mm -hmm. and I didn't have a lot of postpartum anxiety in the beginning. I felt really lucky. I felt really stable. I was taking my placenta pills. I was like, I got this. I've actually never been happier in my life. I feel like I was destined to be a mom. I took six months off of working, full-time mom at home, super sleep deprived, all the things, but I was very happy. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I had compassion for, for people who talked about postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. But it wasn't something that I was struggling with, although I've had anxiety my whole life, so I could relate. And it's not that that went away after I had a baby. It just didn't get a whole lot worse Mm -hmm. in the beginning. And then I told you a little bit about how I was doing psychedelic therapy and six sessions of ketamine therapy at the end of last year in November. And if people listening are not familiar with ketamine therapy, It's a very cutting edge therapy practice that takes you to other realms. It dissolves the ego. It helps you find and create new 
new neural pathways in your brain. So it's the stuff that you, Mimi, your meditations are helping people do. But this is like a oh, deep This experience. is like 20 years of meditation mm-hmm. in one hour. 20, 30 a lifetime years of therapy in 45 minutes. It's amazing and it's very intense. And I'm a very highly sensitive person. So doing all of this, I, I was full throttle. Like I'm very extreme. Six sessions. I've done a lot of other psychedelic therapy in my life. Now I'm a new mother. I'm like, let's heal this stuff once and for all. Let's go into the anxiety. Let's transmute it. I'm ready to step out and be a leader of the Aquarian age. And let's get rid of all my blocks and insecurities and and just do it. And at first, you know, the first like five sessions, that's what was happening. And then did another session and something shifted and it wasn't directly related to the ketamine and this isn't to scare anyone. I don't regret having done it. However, the following months were the hardest months of my entire life. And I've been through a lot with my physical health. I think we talked about that probably last time I was on your podcast. And I thought that that was the dark night of my soul. That was my Saturn return. I thought Coming out on the other side of that was going to be, you know, I, yeah, that I wouldn't have to go backwards. And this was something I had never experienced before. It was a level of anxiety and a level of panic that made me feel like I was going crazy. And I got stuck on a thought loop in my mind that was telling me I'm losing my mind. So these were past life fears. This was in a past life, being locked up for being psychic, put into psychiatric hospitals, burned at the stake, witch hunts. Where did you learn this in the session with the ketamine? So this was visions that I've had on all different types of plant medicine. Also speaking to my healers, my mediums, opening up my own mediumship gifts. Mm -hmm. It's just an inner knowing. I do ketamine and I can see the walls of the psychiatric hospital that I was in, in my past life. goosebumps right now. Yeah. And... It's intense. It's it's something that used to happen, unfortunately, all the time to women who were psychic and women who were intuitive or women who were struggling with anxiety, depression, mental health. They were locked away. So we live in a different day and age now. That is not at all what 2023 is is about. However, you know, this stuff lives in my DNA. This is the past lives. This is my lineage. This is my family. People in my maternal lineage have struggled with anxiety. And this anxiety, it just came and it hit me and it unlocked something deep from childhood, where in childhood I had debilitating anxiety and I just learned to put it away and just put on a happy face and be the bubbly Libra everybody's best friend, happy, you know, sleeping well at night, just letting the anxiety go. And I think those were healthy tools that I developed. But at some point, Mm -hmm. they turned unhealthy because everything became repressed. So this anxiety that lived inside of me was so repressed that it was making me sick. It gave me, you know, most likely Lyme disease. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of reasons also why I had Lyme disease. So everyone listening, don't get too upset. There's so many reasons why people get sick. But the emotional reasons, and I believe this is what I'm put on this earth to talk about and teach people, they make us sick. So 
even now as I'm talking about it, like I feel the pain in my body because it's a lifetime and then many lifetimes worth Mm -hmm. of pain. So I was in one big panic attack for four months. And this happened straight after that sixth session. Kind of. I mean, the panic attack started slowly. And for the rest of 2022, I was still living my life and the panic was coming and I was really struggling. But I was still showing up in my job as a mother, just really repressing it as I knew how to do. And then I just hit some kind of wall. I had a really big trigger come up in January. Um, It was actually related to the podcast. I was doing like big interviews with people that I really admire. And I just started having these like doomsday thoughts of like, I'm not going to be able to do it. Even though this has been my job for seven years and I know that I'm perfectly capable of doing what I do. Mm -hmm. It was intrusive thoughts and that's where the postpartum comes in. There's a lot of intrusive thoughts. It's really confusing. It's like what's true, what's not true. But meanwhile, these repressed memories that were coming up from my childhood felt like they were happening in the present day. So it was very hard for me to be present. So yes, having a conversation on the podcast with people who I really admire, who I hadn't necessarily met in person, I just wasn't in the headspace. I could do it, but it was taking every ounce of mental and physical energy. And that's all I had ever done in my whole life was just like achieve Mm -hmm. and be a workhorse and make everybody proud and provide for my family and push the anxiety down And just keep achieving so that people can say, oh, good job. You know, you're still showing up. You're still doing all this stuff. All of this became very clear to me. This is not in alignment with how I want to live my my life and also raise my family. And this is coming up now, now that I'm a mother, because Atticus is my healer, too. And he's here on this planet to show me we're going to change things. We're going to break the patterns of the lineage. He's not going to grow up with a mom who's having debilitating anxiety in bed with Lyme disease. He's just not. So I had to confront those issues. And that's what I've been doing. How have you been confronting them? So starting in January, I started seeing a therapist twice a week. And then I also started seeing my old psychiatrist, who I had been seeing for all of college, so since 2009, but I hadn't seen him in about 10 years. Wow! So I came back into his life and I'm like, hey, remember me? And he's like, yeah, I always thought you were super psychic. And he's become this like intuitive channel and he's really a leader in alternative medicine, alternative therapy. And he has blown my freaking mind because he's linking together things that happened in my childhood and in my adolescence and my college years with now. And then I have my other therapist where we're doing more traditional like EMDR Mm. and internal family systems. And basically, I've been in therapy since I was five, but I'm very ready for this stuff now. So it's just hitting different. It's just giving me a whole different experience because I'm ready Mm -hmm. to like really face I think the elephant in the room was like there was a lot of childhood trauma that I repressed and I feel it now like it's not going away so I have to deal with it now so therapy I also had to take a lot of time off Mm -hmm. and kind of like fix my schedule yeah because one of the first things that my new therapist helped me do she was I was in a crisis I was like do I have to go to a psychiatric hospital like 
pure crisis. And she's like, what does your next week look like? And I said, it was a Friday. And I'm like, okay, so tonight I'm going to a wedding. Tomorrow I have two baby showers. On Sunday is my friend's birthday. Then we have a birthday for a toddler in the afternoon. And then the following week I have two podcasts and I have a photo shoot. And then I'm filming for this. And then I have this other collaboration. But then I have a meeting and then my family's coming into town. And then my friend is staying with us. Like, this is really what my week looked like. And she stopped me and she was like, I'm going to stop you right there. Maybe when you're at your best and you're feeling amazing with your mental health, you could handle this kind of robust schedule. But I'm willing to bet that nobody can and like not that nobody can, but I'm a sensitive person and it's not in my best interest. So I had to start taking things off my plate and I started with the easy things, you know, my friend who was having the baby shower that weekend. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm in a crisis and I love you and I will take you out next week to celebrate, but I am doing too much and my cousin's getting married and that's something that I can't miss and just started to kind of rearrange my schedule. I, by the grace of God, continued recording the podcast to the point where I was so ahead that I was able to take several months off of recording. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people do that. They batch their podcast. Maybe you even do that. I needed time. I needed like three months of not talking into a microphone and and having people's opinions of me. And I just wasn't in a space to share at all. And I didn't know if I would ever share about this kind of stuff because I was so in it Mm -hmm. that I was just like, really, am I going to be okay? I don't know if I'm going to be okay. Am I going to have to switch career paths? Maybe I will. Because I developed all of these like generalized anxieties and what generalized anxiety is, I didn't know what it was. So I'll explain it. it. Yeah. Is you have anxiety. It lives inside of you. Something that people deal with. And then when it gets really bad, it can start to attach to all of these different areas of your life where it's not necessarily meant to be associated. Mm -hmm. So I had a generalized anxiety about podcasting. I had a generalized anxiety about driving. Mm -hmm. Um, Not me driving, but being in the car if someone else was driving. And all of these weird little things that would just cause me panic attacks Mm -hmm. and Suddenly, my happy place, which is podcasting, was this thing that I felt like I just wasn't good at anymore mm-hmm. and wasn't capable of holding space for people because I was like a, what I considered to be a mess. Although everybody told me you seem fine and you seem so eloquent. And that's why these things are so invisible. They're so invisible. You just don't know the battle that someone's fighting inside their own head. All right, let's take a quick break because I want to tell you what makes my healthy routine super easy to stick to. I value my health so much and I've been using Organifi products now for three whole years. When I'm consistent using their products, I feel better. I have better clarity of mind. I feel healthier. I feel more energized. And it really doesn't take a lot to feel this way with their Sunrise to Sunset kit. With this one kit, you can literally transform your entire day in three simple steps. Here's what the kit includes. Their hero product, of course, the green juice. I love this one every morning. It is like the best refresher for your entire mind, body, and soul. This kickstarts your morning with its 11 detoxifying superfoods, and you don't even need coffee when you drink this delicious green juice in the morning. And then you get your midday boost with Organifi's red juice that contains antioxidant-rich berries plus four 
more powerful adaptogens. This drink is like a delicious berry drink I have with ice in my little glass cup and a little glass straw. And it's the best little pick me up. It's low sugar and it has a really delicious like raspberry taste. And in the evening, you can have this healthified hot chocolate drink that has nine soothing superfoods and adaptogens in it. It literally helps you sleep. The Organifi Gold drink tastes like hot chocolate and it is so good for you. It's super low sugar as well. And it has things like reishi mushroom, turmeric, and ginger all in one delicious nighttime drink. Pro tip, throw in some oat milk and it literally tastes like this delicious creamy drink. You don't even taste the superfoods in it and it really curbs your sweet tooth craving at night. It's the perfect night cap. The Sunrise to Sunset kit is already discounted being a kit, but if you want to get an extra 20% off, you can always use my code Mimi at checkout and head to Organifi.com forward slash Mimi. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, Organifi.com slash Mimi. Take advantage of this discount and start getting your health routine in check. Now back to the podcast. Where are you now on this journey? You're doing all the therapy and you're going through some of this childhood trauma. Where are you today with all of that? So today I've come a really long way. Mm. I feel like I'm in a really stable place as of this month, May. Mm. May has been very good to me. Taurus season brought me a lot of grounding, a lot of earth energy. I went to Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. I wrote basically a whole entire book and I needed to do that because this book has been living inside of me and not writing this book has also been making me sick, both physically and mentally. So that was like a huge weight off my shoulders. I still have a lot to do, but it was like the bulk. The bulk of it came through. I have my schedule figured out. I am rigid. I am diehard. I can record one day a week. That's what I do. I can batch the recordings. I can do as many in a day as I really want to do, but not multiple times a week because that's what I was doing before. And that's how I got burnt out. Spending a lot of time with my family. I'm exercising every day. I'm cooking my food at home. I have like my non-negotiables. I'm sleeping a lot. I'm meditating. All of these things have helped but I know this is a journey. I also started an anxiety medication. Uh-huh. That's something that I talked about on my podcast recently. And people were, I think, really grateful that I was yeah. talking about this because as such a spiritual person, we can try to ashwagandha ourselves out of depression. That's what Gabby Bernstein says. And that's what I was trying to do, like spirulina and sleep and meditation and reframing the mind and Joe Dispenza, like I'm in control, I can do this. And that that works, that works for a lot of people. But when you're in a crisis and you're really, really in a very dark place, you have to become functional again. And it's kind of like putting a cast on a broken leg. That's what my psychiatrist says. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of fears about going on medication. I was on medication in college and for really reasons that were not, I didn't really need to be on it back then. So I had side effects and... I've been a very pure person ever since. I've been off all medications. I'm as holistic as they come. Mm-hmm. So I had I had fears. I had so many thoughts. Like, is this right for me? And I can definitely say it has been mm-hmm. above and beyond the best self-care 
choice that I've made for myself in a really long time. Good for you. Yeah, thank you. And I'm hoping, you know, soon I have to figure out trying to wean off of it because I do want to have more kids and Mm -hmm. I'm in that situation now, Mm -hmm. but I'm trying not to panic about that. Just be grateful for what's going on in the present Mm -hmm. moment. Beautiful. And, you know, you mentioned that you went to therapy since you were five years old. I'm just curious, how did your parents know that you needed to go at five years old? Yeah. If you're not open to talk about this, it's fine. No, I'm happy. What kind of stuff did you have to go through to to need therapy at that age? Yeah. Well, my mom, I'm very blessed to have a very in tune mother. Mm-hmm. Her brother is a therapist. Yeah. Her sister-in-law is a therapist. She, my mom had a therapist at that time. My mom's mom was sick and dying. So mm-hmm. in my younger years, like from two to six, I was in the hospital a lot with my grandma mm-hmm. and I think my mom was just kind of aware that mm-hmm. this could be kind of traumatizing potentially for a sensitive person or for any yeah. young person in their formative years. But really, I think what got her to seek out a therapist for me was that I was extremely highly sensitive. I wanted to wear my clothes inside out. I mm-hmm. was sensitive to touch, to noise, to smell. They were very concerned, like she must have OCD. And at the time, the therapist said that I did not have OCD. I was just very sensitive and that I was very emotionally expressive. She actually told my parents, this is a good thing. She's so comfortable with you. She'll tantrum. She's okay with being her like full authentic Mm -hmm. self. So I saw that therapist off and on my whole childhood just to kind of stay in touch and talk about, you know, I just remember doing art projects in her office. It was nothing too intense. intense. I didn't even really know that I was in therapy at the time. And I think it's amazing. I think I'm so grateful that my mom was evolved and progressive and in Mm -hmm. tune. If it had just been me and my dad, there's no way. I mean, he would have never once thought about that. And it was good. People ask me like, oh, did you think you know, you were damaged or something because mm-hmm. you were in therapy. I'm like, no, no, I think it's very common. I mean, maybe not for someone so young, but it has definitely turned out to be something yeah. in my life that I'm very thankful for. Did everyone in your family understand that you were a highly sensitive person and acknowledge that and, you know, treat that well? Or was it more so just your mom that really understood you? Yeah, it was mostly just her. Mm-hmm. And this was also back in the 90s when mm-hmm. you know the term highly sensitive person is a thing now yeah it wasn't a thing back then so it was really just I was very different from everyone in my family they're actually apologized to me now because they did think that certain idiosyncrasies of mine made me very like spoiled or mm-hmm. very bratty but now they know that's not what it was like I have misophonia. I can't stand the sound of people chewing. That's a real thing. And I would freak out every night at the dinner table with my family. And they're just like, what is wrong with her? Because they don't have those sensitivities. So they just thought that I was making it up or that I was really dramatic. They've apologized for so many things now because now we understand sensitive children. We understand starseeds. We understand psychic children, indigo children, all that type of stuff. And I had those psychic gifts. I turned them off at a very young age. And one could say that's also where the anxiety came from, too. Mm -hmm. When did you first notice that you had these abilities when you were younger? At what age and, and when did you turn them off? So I think when I was really young, 
it was just the only thing I knew. So I didn't think it was different or special or unique. What were you experiencing? I just could, I could feel energies. And I think when I was like a baby baby, because I've revisited this now via psychedelics, I could see energies too. Angels, auras, um, colors even dark energies, which Mm -hmm. is another reason why the anxiety came, because that's really scary. But by the time I was old enough to really communicate all of this, it was mostly just this internal knowing. Like I would just know things very wise beyond my years. And when my grandmother passed away, when I was six, she would come to me in my dreams. And those dreams were more real than anything I had ever experienced in waking life. But it was a dream. So I was also just like, well, dreams are vivid like because that's what I was told I was very much raised in a family where metaphysical things are not real and they they thought they were helping me by saying that like Mm -hmm. don't worry monsters aren't real and there's nothing to be afraid of and I promise ghosts are not real and I really felt that they were and now I know that they are Mm -hmm. there's good spirits and there's darker spirits and I'm comfortable now maintaining my space and speaking into my space and only the spirits of the light are allowed. So yeah, this is something that I always kind of knew, but I certainly had buried it very young. I mean, probably around the age of five or six. Wow. And then when did you have these abilities resurface? Was it through your healing journey with Lyme? Yeah, I was always interested from like adolescence and beyond. I was obsessed with astrology and obsessed with yoga. And I felt like I was a very spiritual person because I did yoga and I was the yoga teacher starting at a young age. And I got a Libra tattoo when I was 21. And I felt like I was, this was like my path, my calling, but I didn't really know anything about it. And I didn't know the details or the depth that I started to learn later. But I say all of this, like we're born with our passions. And we can connect to things without even knowing why. So I didn't know why I thought astrology was so cool or if I ever met an astrologer or a psychic medium, why I thought this was the epitome of the best thing anyone could ever do. Because that's what I loved and that's what I really saw and felt as truth. And I felt like, how have these people harnessed their gifts? So for me, it really was the journey through Lyme disease awakening to my spiritual self and then also starting my podcast and having the ability to I found myself actually booking guests who were mediums who were Reiki masters crystal healers all those types of people and I learned a lot from them and what every single person said to me was you have this gift I was 25 at that time And I was like, I know you're speaking to an inner knowing, but I don't know how to uncover that gift. And they all helped me. Some of them became my mentors. Some of them are not in my life anymore. Most of them are. And it's been a slow journey at times really fast. I had a summer where I was like in the starseed realms every single night that I was sleeping, having visions of alien beings, stitching up my brain. I was so in it that I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a starseed channel. I'm here to talk about Pleiadians. But as a reflector, I go through many stages of life. I have obsessions. I have the starseeds. I have Kundalini. And I've learned. I just am kind of here to blend it all together and maybe speak about it in a more earthly way. That's something that I've learned as I've gotten older. 
what do you consider yourself like a medium or like what what is it when people ask what your ability is? What do you say to them? Mm-hmm. I've gone back and forth yeah. with a lot of things. Like on my TikTok, I have psychic just because yeah. I think that people can can understand what that means. But if I were to describe it, I think an intuitive mm-hmm. and an energy healer and an energy transmuter. Right. I try to transmute the energy of whoever I'm with and just a light being. Mm-hmm. Like I think there's a lot of us light beings here on the planet. We have so many gifts and talents and capabilities And that's what I want everyone to know. I used to think that to be a medium or to be a channel, you had to be born in such a special kind of way that you just had these otherworldly gifts. And some people are like that and they're incredibly next level. But many of us, we can uncover these gifts at any age and we all have them and we all have that power. So ultimately, I feel like an intuitive who's here to remind people who they really are. When I hear the word psychic, I think of being able to tell the future. Do you ever get inklings or knowings about the future? I do. Mm -hmm. I think that also, again, like I keep talking about human design, but reflectors, we're reflecting the state of the world. So when I was having all this panic and anxiety, my friends who are very knowledgeable about human design, they were like, oh, shit. Because Jordan, you know, reflectors, we are the barometer for almost what's going on currently and what's to come. Mm -hmm. And it's no secret that there's a lot of things going on in the world right now that are very dark and very Mm -hmm. anxiety inducing. I mean, I know I'm not the first one to spill that news. Like we're in a place that really needs a lot of light. So Mm -hmm. I think my body was reacting to that. And I think they're are challenging times to come, but I also think there's really, really enlightening times to come. Do you ever meet someone and you just feel like you need to tell them a message that you just download? I do. I do. I'm definitely of the mentality and I've learned to people have to want it. They have to, they have to ask really. And sometimes I'll say to someone, if I know them well enough, I am getting this message about you. Do you want to know? And people always want to know, but I'm not one of those people who's going to walk up to a stranger in the grocery store. And there are those people. And I do feel like they're kind of crossing a boundary Mm -hmm. because people are at all different stages of their journey. As people are not, if they're not ready to hear it, it's not going to do anything for their life. In fact, it may cause more harm than good. Mm. But yeah, the people in my life who I'm very close to, if I get those intuitive hits, I say, do you want to know? And they're always like, of course I want to know. What kind of things if, like you don't have to say names, what kind of things do you I mean, I can feel like if someone's pregnant, I pretty much know if they're having a boy or a girl and I've been wrong I'm definitely not like here to toot my own horn I but I know on those times when I'm wrong that they have like that baby coming in the future yeah. so my friend for example who just recently had a boy her and I both felt this girl energy so strong but that's how I know and she knows too like she has a daughter coming in the future yeah. but these babies they can kind of switch when they're coming and they can play all these jokes on us and they're in a realm that is much more powerful than where we are right now so you can never really tell the future a hundred percent because there's a lot of free will but I can feel intuitive things like if someone's going through a hard time I will feel, okay, you have, you should, you know, do this meditation and check mm-hmm. out this person's work. This book is going to change your life right now. Maybe you need Kundalini. And I can tell the differences in people, mostly when I know them really well too. But another gift that I have is seeing people's faces shapeshift. 
And I've been seeing your shape shift a lot since we've been here. Okay, wait, let's talk about this. Mm -hmm. So you see it merging into a different face. So yeah. What is shape shifting? So I I kind of know. Yeah, yeah. I've had to develop my own definition of shape shifting because I think the way that I see people shape shift is maybe different than how other people see. It's not really a thing that's like really known and talked about. Mm -hmm. I see people's faces shifting. And what I feel that I see is their higher self, their spirit animals, their angels, their past lives. So a lot of times I'll see past lives coming through people that are very Native American because I feel that a lot of us healers in the healing space, we have a lot of Native American lifetimes. And I also will see angelic energy or I'll see starseed energy or sometimes I'll just see like colors. And I can see too how deeply people have gone to work on themselves. Mm -hmm. So if someone hasn't done a lot of self-work, I I will still see them shape shift, but I won't see like a lot Mm -hmm. of light emanating from them because they're just closing it off which is fine not to say that they're not capable they're more than capable they just have to be willing to let those boundaries down so with you I've seen a lot of really white bright energy and Mm. now you're really like you're letting me in right now so thank you because as people like remove their filters a little (laughs) I can see way deeper whoa so now you're really letting me in do you see this I it's a physical sensation in my body I feel like I'm about to cry I know you can cry (laughs) you for a moment there you were okay you're coming back into it fully grandmother higher (laughs) self third eye is here your whole face disappears there's your shamanic lifetimes coming through yeah the whole room has dissolved all i can see are your eyes (laughs) okay so you guys know mimi you have you're young right now what i see is like gray hair down to your down to your waist and this is like your witchy shamanic woman who lives inside of you whoa this is so powerful you're a samurai warrior energy <laughs> that's what's coming through oh my god really deep strength and I know you feel your strength and I know you've had to harness your strength in a lot of areas of your business and your life I don't think people know how freaking powerful you are what I'm seeing here is is so so deep, very ancient soul, like samurai with a sword, like protecting the planet type of power. Oh my God, Jordan. I feel like as I talk, I'm coming back to the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now I see you as you. But my whole body, I haven't felt this feeling in my body since I've done like an intense deep meditation or that medicine journey I was telling you about on your podcast my whole body felt this like intense energetic wave of just like opening up to you. And I couldn't talk Mm -hmm. during that because I just didn't know what to say. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about how my intuition is a very physical feeling sensation. My whole body feels completely different right now. That was so crazy. Thank you for letting me into your energy. It's a really beautiful thing when someone can remove their filters and just allow when you said you oh you're you. letting me in again like the moment even right before you said that like my I felt the feeling again mm-hmm. like it was that's that's wild it's real veils it's it's a veil and it's always here and we can lift it up if we so choose and how do you lift it because for me I just like 
decide. I didn't right. even, it wasn't even a conscious thing. I just mm-hmm. opened up. Mm-hmm. How do you ch- well, choose to do that? You felt comfortable to do that. Yes. So you were able to do that with your own power. It wasn't me that did that. It was you. And then I could see through it because you allowed you allowed me to. So what did you um, see again? So sorry to know. make this all selfish, No, no, everyone. this is incredible. So samurai, warrior, okay, so, grandmother energy. What about yes. past life? Like what past life mm-hmm. stuff did you see? I have no idea about my past yeah. lives. So I haven't seen that samurai energy in a while. But it's interesting because it my, my shaman in Spain, he saw that in me. So I'm kind of like, okay, very amazing reflection there. You know, that samurai warrior energy, if you go back to like the beginning of time, time as we know it, because of course, it's been infinite, I believe. Many of us in our past lives, we were fighting for our planet, you know, a lot of planets here in many universes no longer exist. And so there were a lot of wars and there were like the mothers and the nurturers and then there were the samurais. And if you have that warrior energy that lives inside of you, you are here to do really, really big things. And we're all here to do big things, but you're here to do really well-known things. You're here to be on the world stage. You're here to deal with these, you know, business people who can be really challenging to deal with because you have that inner power you're going to be underestimated from time to time because you are, you know, a beautiful young woman. But when people really see and feel what your soul truly is, they will back down in your presence because you are so powerful. Wow. Thank you. And just very old soul, like the gray hair thing. That was a very shamanic Native American life past life and I wouldn't be surprised if Mm -hmm. you do dabble a little more in plant medicine in Mm -hmm. this lifetime I know you had your one experience which was more you know of a combination Mm -hmm. I just wouldn't be surprised if you felt drawn to it at a certain time in your life or a different type of shamanic practice so even just like going to Peru and and doing like a flower ceremony or something non-psychedelic I think at some time you will be drawn to those cultures and practices, it definitely lives inside of you. That is so interesting. I'm definitely, I have an interest in that kind of stuff. I've watched live ayahuasca ceremonies. I was in Costa Rica earlier this year and I didn't do it, but I watched it with Mm -hmm. like the shaman that they flew in from the Amazon, like the best shaman in the world. Mm -hmm. Like I've watched crazy stuff like that. So you've been in the presence. I've been in the presence, but well, I guess we can talk off air about that. I'm, I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready for an intense mm-hmm. psychedelic mm-hmm. experience because I have fears around that. Um, I know we're, we're kind of close to time as your, uh, your guy here was just telling us, but I do want to kind of quickly dive into that. You've, you've done many plant medicine journeys and experiences. How do you compare them all? The ketamine experience was, it's obviously not a plant medicine, but it's a synthetic medicine. How do you compare that to the you know, mushroom journeys you've done to the ayahuasca journeys you've done. Tell me high level and to the audience kind of the difference between them and how they affected you. Such a good question. I'm still coming back to earth, by I know, the way. I'm too. like, I'm seeing multiple <laughs> memes right now. But no, we're here. We're grounded. It's beautiful. You do have a third eye that's like radiating. But we will talk more about that. Okay. It's so wait, before we move on quickly, can you see my aura? Yes. What is it? Okay, so I'm gonna go back in. Okay, it's very purple and white. Wow. So the purple, like the indigo, is the crown chakra. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm seeing, like the immediate energy surrounding you. And then on the outside of that is white, which is the universal energy tapped into consciousness, source, etc. I'm going to send you a bunch of stuff on this later. And then also, you're 
you are you are next level. We could soul gaze and go so deep. I am speechless because beyond that, then all the colors disappeared and then everything became gray, like black and white. We're going to have to talk about that. That's something Wait, that isn't black sometimes. bad. No, 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 no. no. Okay. okay. I'm not. I didn't actually see no. black. I just okay. saw lack of color. Let's okay. say like okay. we went in. No, no, not bad. I was going to say. Uh, yeah. And I'll tell you, I only see light things. I only yeah. see good yeah. energy because those are the guides that I work with. Yeah. I'm really clear with my boundaries. Yeah. Sometimes though, when I'm soul gazing with someone, it will turn. It's like you're watching like a, you know, black and white movie. Yeah. Gray. And I, I almost have to ask my mentor what that means. I think it just means we're going so deep that I'm about to go on like a journey through galaxies oh, into wow. your aura. So we'll we'll do that. Okay, um, maybe next episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because now I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna answer your question. Okay, yes, that was please. so beautiful. Okay, so the differences between the medicines. I definitely feel a difference between the medicines from the earth and the man-made medicines. I used to be very against synthetic medicine mm-hmm. because I have a history. My first love was a heroin addict Mm. I was like I'm never doing drugs quote-unquote but then I became really interested in consciousness expansion and became a lot more open and I'm really glad that I've tried different types of man-made medicines because they have been Mm -hmm. extremely enlightening and I feel like there is God in everything that's kind of what I say there's God in my anxiety medication even Mm -hmm. though it's synthetic like that's the way I really view it. And we find certain things when we need them at certain times. I do feel the most comfortable with the earth medicines because I know they've been around for eons and I feel that they were placed here on this earth for our expansion of consciousness. So I trust them. I trust that even if the experience is dark and shadowy and challenging, it's all for the greater good. And I can trust that with the ketamine as well. It's just a little different. It's just a little like, wow, my brain feels a little rearranged after ketamine. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. But it's it can be a lot to integrate. Mm-hmm. Where the, the earth medicines, I wouldn't say that they're gentle because ayahuasca and psilocybin are not in my experience. Watching um, the live ayahuasca ceremonies, you see how intense it is mm-hmm, and all-encompassing. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen anything like scary in one of those and how do you deal with that yeah that's my big that's why I'm Mm -hmm. resistant to doing it before I did ayahuasca I had never seen anything really Mm -hmm. truly dark and scary so I didn't really have fears I was very fearless I went into my first ayahuasca ceremony drinking more medicine than anyone else I was alone I mean I was with 17 people but I didn't know them so I like went to the mountains in northern California by myself no fears. My whole family was like, is she going to come out alive? And I was like, oh, don't be silly. This is not scary to me. And then I did see (laughs) really scary things. And I got stuck in really terrifying loops, you know, hell, demons, all that stuff. And that duality is very real. Mm -hmm. And to see the highest of high and the lightest of light, I do believe where we almost do have to at some point recognize that the opposite exists. And so I'm grateful that I've seen it because now I know, oh, I can go that dark. Then I know how light I can go too. And I can also be more cautious. And these days I'm a lot more gentle. And my motto now is slow and gentle. Slow is steady. Steady is amazing. Where before I was just extreme and balls to the wall. I'm not like that anymore. And that comes with aging and growth and, Mm -hmm. and just the experiences that I've had. 
So it's just essentially to do these medicines, it's to learn more about yourself and to see shadow selves. And even if you need to go through and see the demons or these negative things, it's all for the greater good of your healing. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So I think it's all a reflection of our inner world. Oh, wow. Sometimes, though, you know, if we're in a group setting mm-hmm. and you, you, we talked a little bit about this with you in a big group setting with meditation, you know, other people's energies can can come in. So now I know how sensitive I am and I, I wouldn't do a big group ceremony anymore. I really would be interested in being mm-hmm. just in my own my own energy field and maybe a couple of like really close mm-hmm. friends. But yeah, you would you would choose to do these medicines. A, if you're called, if you're not feeling called, then I wouldn't say it's the right time. And you will know if you're feeling called because it will be the only thing that you can think about. And ayahuasca is the grandmother medicine. So you'll feel grandmother literally, you know, I can see her right now, like someone's listening and you're going to do ayahuasca after this because you heard the word ayahuasca again and you're like, okay, it's time. Um, And other people will say maybe in the future and some people will say maybe never. And I totally respect and love that. All right. Now we're going to come back to earth and we are going to do a quick fire round. Okay. Top anxiety hack. (gasps) Meditation. Beautiful. Your argument style with your partner? <laughs> I'm combative. I'm a samurai. You're I mean, samurai. Jonathan will tell you I throw swords. <laughs> All right. What's the best way to recover from an argument with your husband? This is so hard for me to say, but apologizing and being the bigger person, even if I'm not really sorry, I feel like the woman sometimes just has to freaking end it and then the man will just follow suit. Yeah. Where is your favorite place on earth? Kauai or Bali. What is the best way to overcome writer's block? Just sit down and do it. I mean, I've been blocked for years, but when you sit down and do it, and even if the first couple pages are just complete shit or you feel like they are, you'll eventually get into the flow. What is the best way to calm a baby down? (laughs) Love them. They really respond to love and good energy and like, bouncing, rocking. My mom taught me the technique of like patting their butt. Most babies absolutely love that. Beautiful. What is your favorite way to stay active? I love yoga. I'm a hot yoga girl for life. Early bird or night owl? I'm a night owl. I am not an early morning person. What's the biggest misconception about you? I think people underestimate me because I'm very sweet and I'm very like kind and and soft and loving but I'm very powerful and resilient and I think people don't really know that yeah Uh, when was the last time you cried and why (laughs) today um today because I had an astrology session that was very emotional what makes you feel superhuman oh being with my son like being his mom makes me feel like I'm a super mom super woman Amazing. So to close this off, our theme for this new version of the podcast is all about becoming your future self, embodying your ultimate self, self-image. So I like to ask my guests, where do you see yourself in 10 years, future self Jordan, living the best life possible? Who is she? Describe her to me. I love this. And this is how we closed out mine too. Yeah. And I loved hearing about yours. So future self Jordan, she is a mother of multiple children. You know, right now I have my one baby boy, a writer and author of both self-help and fiction. And I think the fic, no, I'm not going to say I think. 
this version of me. She has written a whole series of fiction books that have turned into movies. And that's where the whole direction is going. I see her. She lives on the land, maybe in Topanga or Kauai or both. And tending to the land, farming, or maybe Jonathan, my amazing husband, is doing the farming. But I'm reaping the benefits (laughs) of soaking in the sunshine, moving really slow. I can envision myself waking up, drinking a warm lemon water in the morning. Mm. Things that are very grounding and things that I'm trying to do more now. Eating this really nourishing food that also makes me feel really grounded here on earth. My kids in some kind of alternative schooling program that will set them up to be absolutely superhuman and and authentic with who they are. And just happy and Mm -hmm. loving every moment of life. Abundant, successful, calm in my nervous system. I will have completely hacked the code to my nervous system, which Mm -hmm. is constantly jittery and overactive in this current day. And that will be a thing of my past. And I'll be helping people heal that. And a seer and a visionary and a, a medium and really using my gifts. Mm-hmm. At this current day and age, I'm not really sure where those gifts are going to pour into, but my future self knows. Beautiful. Where can everyone find you? You can find me on The Balanced Blonde on Instagram, The Balanced Blonde Podcast, Soul on Fire. Come listen to Mimi on the show. She's been on multiple times, but this recent one is very, very, <laughs> very epic. And yeah, come say hi on Instagram. I, I check my DMs. I love to respond to people. All the things. Love it. Thank you so much, Jordan. This was amazing. Thank you. This was amazing. This was my favorite interview I've done, by the way, on someone's podcast. You're so kidding. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. You're very, so very, very good at asking questions. Oh, wow. Thank you, yes. Jordan. Yeah. Sorry we went over. 